Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Hey, Betties. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. We are going to go on a geeky magic carpet ride together today for a little a hot minute. And today we're going to talk about low back pain. And I'm going to wrap in some of this uh, into neck pain as well. This is something that was the bread and butter of my professional life for many, many years. And I wanted to deconstruct it here for you today so that you A, know what's happening and B, you have some sort of template to begin to rehabilitate and make yourself feel better. Of course, this does not replace the advice from your primary if you are seeing a chiropractor or somebody who is an expert in musculoskeletal health. But I can lend my 16 years in practice and some of the patterns that I have noticed over time and what has really worked for my patient base. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. 
We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot, as I have been doing, with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. So just a little anatomy lesson. When we think about the neck and the low back, there are twinsies. They often, you know, when one goes, the other one does. And part of that is because the structural, uh, the shape of both the neck and the low back are something that we call a lordotic curve. So that's just a fancy word for like backwards C shaped curve. So it kind of looks like a banana. Uh, that's how I like to explain it to people. So those are the two curves that we actually are not born with. So when we are born, we are born with a kyphotic curve in the thoracic spine. So the mid back, we are actually, and if you look at a new little squishy baby, they're like curled up in like a little ball. And we develop our lordotic curvature as we begin to have tummy time. So at, you can remember if you have children, the first time you put your little baby on their tummy, their big old head could not be supported by the extensor group in their neck and their face. What do they do? They face planted, right? Like right onto the carpet, probably started crying. And then you probably had to pick them up and breastfeed them. But over time, what happens is we put our babies on their tummies and they're able to extend. So they're able to look up, which is creating that reverse C curve in the neck. And then they're able to rotate their head and span the horizon. And that's when you start getting them, you give them any toy and then they grab it and then they put it into their mouth. So our curves, our lordotic curves are an evolutionary adaptation to being upright, to standing upright and being bipedal, meaning that uh, our ability to walk on two feet. And that is how they develop. And when you look at the spine, it kind of looks like, it, it, you know, if you just sort of look at it at, at a glance, it looks like a bunch of uh, wooden blocks just stacked up on top of each other. And we actually call that the articular pillar. But really, it, this is a, it is such a gorgeous model. Um, it, it replicate uh, or it represents something called biological tensegrity, which is a physical, uh, it is a, a principle in physics that means that it denotes both a structure that has compression and tension in it. And that is why the spine is so bloody beautiful because it has, you know, when we think about the biological structures in the spine, so we think about the muscles, we think about the bones, the fascia, the ligaments, the tendons. I mean, you can even apply this to like the cellular, you know, the walls of the cell membranes. These are made strong by the marriage of both tension and compression. 
So when we think about the tension part, that is the muscles and the connective tissue. Those are tense and they're kind of keeping everything together. And the bones are going to, all throughout the spine, are going to provide uh, that compression. So even when you look at the spine, you're like, oh, this just looks like a stack of Jenga, Jenga blocks. It really is this beautiful marriage of this tensegrity, this like, you know, um, uh, compression and tension. So that's my little, you know, word nerd geek uh, out thing for you for the week, uh, that the spine is a structure of biological tensegrity. But why this is important to you is that the spine is vulnerable, especially these two areas of the spine, the neck and the low back, they are vulnerable to damage because of the, well, they actually lack a bony structure. So when we think about the mid-back, it has the ribs and the sternum anteriorly to really reinforce the integrity and the structure of the, of the spine. The neck and the low back really don't have that. And because of modern life, so because we are sitting, because we are at our computers and we're in our phones and then we sit in, you know, we get up and we come, come down the stairs, we make our coffee and we sit and we have breakfast and then we get into our cars and we drive to work and then we sit at our desk and then we go out and we sit for lunch and we're sit, sit, sitting all, all over the place. Sitting is truly the new smoking, particularly as it, as it pertains to our neck and our low back. And what happens is as we are sitting, as this modern requirement of working on our computers continues, we start to shift the mechanical load. We start to shift the compressive forces in the spine. So before I said that the bones in that tensegrity model make up that, the, some of those compressive forces and a really super healthy human spine, you are going to have the bulk of the mechanical forces go through the posterior elements of the vertebra. So the posterior vertebral body and then the posterior elements like the transverse processes and the lamina and, um, and other structures. But as we are sitting, that now gets translated forward. It gets translated forward into the anterior part of our vertebral bodies, which is those squares that you kind of see on an x-ray. And that is what accelerates the degeneration of both the neck and the low back. Because now the mechanics you know, the front of your vertebral body is not designed to bear the brunt of your entire head or your entire spine, right? And if you think about the weight of your head, it is truly, as the Jerry Maguire in a movie said, um, it's about the weight of a bowling ball, right? So for a woman, it's like 12, 13 pounds. For a male, it's like maybe 13, 14, 15 pounds. Like that's a lot of weight that your that your spine and some of the other structures, the, the ligaments and the musculature have to uh, endure day in, day out. And if you can imagine, if you were to hold a bowling ball, you know, if you were to hold it close to your body, it would be super easy to hold it there for like a long period of time. But if you were to extend your arm and then continue to hold that bowling ball, well, that's going to really fatigue the muscles uh, in your arm, it's going to stress out your ligaments, and eventually it's going to fail, right? So the same is true to you know a less dramatic uh, extent. The same is true in our necks. And the other thing that we want to really consider with low back pain and and derangement in the neck and the low back mechanics is this idea of physiological creep. And 
creep is just not like the weird guy at the office that's kind of looking at you weird and doesn't say anything. And then, you know, as soon as you walk by, goes back and does something weird on his desk. It is physiological creep is the phenomenon where your muscles start to assume the position of prolonged flexion. That's essentially what happens when you are sitting over your computer, your neck is you are, the term that you hear, this anterior head carriage, this is flexion of the neck musculature, and it is also flexion of the lumbar structures as well. So this physiological creep is now your muscles start to assume the position of flexion even when you're not doing it. And this is when the pain comes, ladies and gentlemen. This is when we get that achiness in the neck and shoulders, or we get that low back, that chronic low back pain. And there's been estimates, something like 15 to 40% of chronic low back pain comes from the derangement in the facet joints. You are the mechanical stress of having your lumbar, the facet joints, by the way, are the, that's just the fancy word for joint. Or if you want to be super duper fancy, uh, we would call those the zygopophyseal joints. Thank you very much. So facet or, or Z joints, um, that is the way that you're actually, your neck moves. And when they are chronically in flexion, then you are going to provide this extra mechanical stress on the capsule of the joint. And then you're going to be deforming the pain, um, uh, the, pr the pressure receptors that you have in the capsule. And that's going to be sending this negative information up to your brain. Those are called, no that's called nociception. So when you are under, like if you were to take your finger and if you were to squeeze your fingertip, you're going to feel that pressure. That's nociception. That's pressure. And when your joint capsules in your spine are being yanked apart day in, day out, your capsule is going to get testy. And the nociception, those nociceptors are going to send that apparent information up to the brain. So with all that, that's a crash course in uh, spinal mechanics and um, mechanical loading. What can we do? So when I think about rehabilitating the low back, that was probably the number one thing. And number two was like headaches and neck pain. But let's talk about low back pain and then we'll talk about neck pain. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near-infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster, and of course, stress reduction. With the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So when we think about low back pain, and I will just, the word police is coming out in me, and I will say that pain is essentially an, a meaningless term, meaning that it's very nonspecific. You could have pain coming from the muscle, coming from the joint, coming from the disc, coming from the tendon. Is it one-sided? Is it two-sided? Is it referred pain, electric pain, you know, stenosis? Like there's so many ways that someone can experience pain. 
but as a as a clinician who has spent 16 years in the trenches and caring for patients i would often see that of course and you know all the rehab is going to be really tailored to the patient but there was a couple things that really worked well for low back pain the first is obviously manual therapy now i am disclosing my bias I am a chiropractor and I am a chiropractic patient. So I'm not only the president, but I'm also a client. And I love, 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 love chiropractic adjustments. And I got to tell you, when I don't get adjusted in my frequency now, I mean, I've been a patient for, oh, 20 years, 25 years now. When I am not adjusted at the very minimum of twice a month, like I start to feel it, like I start to um, feel like I need to have that, uh, that release. So for me, a you know chiropractic care is cathartic it's part of my wellness regimen and that may or may not be something that you use in your own life and if you do um, i'm so happy for you that you found something that works for you and if you don't it may be a combination of things maybe you know you had a bad experience or you know the um maybe didn't feel it worked or maybe someone told you not to or, or what have you i would invite you to uh, if you felt so inclined to, to maybe revisit with another doctor or find someone who really mirrored your own philosophy in health. Or if that's not in the cards for you, of course, there are osteopaths and there are physiotherapists that are, uh, from what I understand, uh, can use adjusting and movement of the spine as well. So I like, the first thing is movement therapy. So moving those bones. And I am a bone moving biatch. I move, when I was in practice, those bones were moving. So getting the bones to move and then reinforcing that with rehabilitation. And that's actually the biggest complaint that I would often get in practice for people who had visited other body workers, other manual therapists in the past is that it was just like this cookie cutter, one thing, one thing only, but really you do when we're talking about low back pain, and this is true for neck pain as well, you really do need to be moving the bone so that you are releasing some of the pressure buildup in the capsule. You are releasing and reducing some of the apparent nociceptive information that's coming up to the central nervous system and in the brain. And then you also need to reinforce it with muscle because your muscles are the pulley system. They are the things that move your bones. And if you have that physiological creep that we talked about, then you're going to kind of feel good. If you go and get adjusted, you're going to you know, kind of go and feel good for you know, maybe a day or two, maybe a week. And then, and then maybe, and then it's going to start to creep back up again. So rehabilitation. And when we talk about rehabilitation of the spine, particularly for those of us, and by those of us, I mean all of us, who live in the modern world, it is very important for us to be thinking about rehabilitating the deep flexors, uh, the deep musculature rather, of the spine. So when we think about uh, superficial muscles of the spine, we think about the big, thick ones that we can see, right? We think about the erector spinae group. We think about, maybe we think about the uh, latissimus dorsi. But when we think about small, deep, the deep musculature of the spine, we are talking about the multifidus muscle or multifidi, I should say. And let me just explain how amazing this muscle is because these are, uh, this is often forgotten and it is one of the largest, well, actually it is the largest proprioceptive input from skeletal muscle into the 
brain. Okay. So when we look at proprioceptive inputs from the spine, often comes at the poles of the spine. So we get right at the top, right underneath your skull. In the back, we have the suboccipital musculature, big proprioceptive input. And then we have the multifidi at the other pole, right down at your hips and in your lumbar spine. And um, I realize I may be going on a geeky magic carpet ride without defining proprioception. Proprioception is the, the uncon- it, is, it is called an unconscious sense. It's called the sixth sense, truly. And proprioception basically tells your brain where you are in space without needing the visual input of where they are. So if you did not have proprioception, you would not be able to walk because you would need to be your head or you, would, you could walk, but you'd be running into things all the time because you would need to be watching your feet at every single moment to make sure that you would, you would be placing your foot on the ground appropriately. Proprioception exists in all ligaments, uh, tendons, and what they do, what it does is it tells your body where you are in space. So if I were to ask you right now, close your eyes and uh, when your eyes are closed, you're going to bring your arm up and you're going to make a 90 degree angle with your elbow. Most of you could do that because you have proprioceptive input from the shoulder um, uh, abducting from the elbow flexing. And that is going to give your brain input and say, oh yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Now I got it. Now I've got that 90 degree angle. So when we think about the multifidus muscle, it is the largest proprioceptive input to the body and, or sorry, to the brain rather, in the musculoskeletal system. And it's actually a group of short little triangular muscles. Um, so they can, they can span over like three to six vertebral levels. And when they contract together bilaterally, so on both sides of the spine, they will extend the spine. And when you have one side contracting or unilateral contraction, that is going to help you laterally flex, which means like bend over to the side and also rotate the spine to the opposite side. So for my clinicians that are listening, or if you want to um, be able to understand this terminology uh, more thoroughly, what the multifidus does is it laterally flexes and contralaterally rotates the vertebral column. That's what the multifidi musculature do. And they're actually designed to, when you actually look at the cross-section of uh, the multifidi, they are designed as a stabilizer to produce large forces. So you know, when you are reaching over to do the dishes or you are putting the dish in the dishwasher and you're bending over, it is the multifidi that assumes the uh, stabilizing role on the spine. So really, really important to remember this queen, if you will, or king of the deep musculature in the low back. So I really like to, when we're retraining these stabilizing muscles, there's a couple different steps. First thing, is to learn how to isolate that muscle. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're like trying to unilaterally contract or you're trying to just contract the muscles to extend the spine, we want to learn how to isolate the muscle. The second step is to learn to co-contract it with other muscles in, uh, in the core. So I really like to co-contract it with the pelvic floor. That's one that I uh, also find is often very, very weak, particularly in women post um, uh, postpartum, like after they've had children or multi-parous mu- uh, mamas. And I like to then start to coordinate it with, lar- with the larger superficial muscle groups, so like the erector spinae group. So one of my favorite exercises is you're standing upright and let's say you lift your right knee 
And then with a very light weight, so let's call it two pounds, one pound, you're going to lift the left arm. So you're going to abduct the arm. So the arm is straight and you're going to abduct it to 90 degrees. That is going to cause a unilateral contraction of the multifidus muscles, the multifidi on that side, because we are starting, we need to stabilize the hip. When you take the leg off, if you're lifting that leg off on the right side, your hips are now on level. So we need to stabilize the muscle and the multifidi are what is going to do that. In the neck, uh, of course, we see, so the multifidi are my favorite muscles to rehab in the low back in conjunction with other, depending on the case, but the multifidi group are always something that I address partly because of the proprioceptive input, uh, but also because it is something that is very subject to degeneration as we sit and sit and sit. Now in the neck, I really do like to build up the extensor group in the, uh, so the extensor group in the neck, because the two motions that we lose in the neck as we age are extension and rotation. It's that creep. Um, and I remember seeing a meme, it was something like, you know, the only difference between my thirties and my twenties is now I have neck pain and I can't, I can't look, uh, over my shoulder. And that's kind of, you know, people say, ah, it's aging. And I call BS on that. It is not aging. It is just that you are not doing the proper rehab exercises to initiate and engage those planes of motion. So for the neck, one of my favorites is lit. I call this the Pantene commercial move. So you basically are going to, ex, you're going to rotate almost like you're doing a hair flip. So you're going to rotate your um, head all the way back and you're going to try and look and point your nose to the back corner of the room. And then you'll bring that back to neutral. And you might do that 10 times, 20 times on one side and then do it on the other side as well. And that's something that can be done at your desk and you know your workmates are not going to be thinking like, what is this woman doing or what is this man doing? So I hope that this little geeky magic carpet ride has been valuable for you. Please let me know what you think of this or if you have any follow-on questions. But I really do believe that when you know, you know, when you know better, you do better. So if you understand the way that your beautiful, gorgeous spine works, which is truly the foundation of your entire body and your health, then we can, be, we can do better in terms of our rehab protocols and our self-care protocols to keep us moving and pliable and flexible well into our 80s, 90s, and beyond. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret 
magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.